0: Friends, welcome to Bet on You Radio, where every episode we have an amazing guest sharing inspiring stories to give you the tools and strategies you need to bet on yourself and win. I am Ben Whiting here with the amazing, talented keynote speaker, New York Times bestselling author, Angie Witkowski. Angie, how are you doing today?
1: Well, you know, Ben. If I was even half as awesome as you are, I would be all those wonderful things that you just said about me. So thank you for the amazing- You honor
0: compliments. You are those things. I read them on your CV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we obviously have been friends for quite some time. We stay in touch, we text all the time. And Ben, through our communication journey, You had a rough week last week. You had a great week, and you had a rough week.
0: It started off great, and then unexpected obstacle after unexpected obstacle. I had a great keynote in Miami, which, you know, in the winter of northern Michigan, any opportunity to go to Miami is great. Had some great Cuban food. But then my flight, coming home, I was supposed to get in around 1 p.m. on Wednesday, and due to delays, I got in about 6 p.m. on Thursday. So overnight hotel stays. Lots of really happy and just positive people at the airport, as you might imagine. And yeah, I got a chance to really practice some of the stuff we preach about positivity and mindset and, you know, trying to more or less keep my emotional intelligence about me.
1: So let me ask you a question. What is easier, talking to other people and telling them how to be positive amidst challenging situations or being positive amidst challenging it's situations.
0: Always easier to tell other people what to do. <laughs> like it's easy to do as I say, but don't do as I do because I'm going nuts at the airport. but luckily, you know you and I we've had these trainings and we have these clients so we say these things a lot. so I had the words in my brain to tell myself. Because I didn't really feel like I was peaceful. I felt like I had to remind myself to be peaceful and to find the positive in the scenario.
1: It was funny. One time my mom came to watch me deliver a keynote. It was in a central Michigan area. And she's like, you know, Angie, maybe you should tell people what they really want to hear. That after the keynote, they should go home, get a glass of wine, maybe have two. Open up that bag of chips. (laughs) Follow it up with some good movies. Just kind of chill. She's like, maybe that's the secret to happiness. And I thought, you know, Mom, you might have something there.
0: I mean, that could just be the topic for your next keynote. Just like, you know, drink wine, eat chips.
1: Tell off the person <laughs> yeah, who you yeah. don't like instead of a nasty text. Good night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. Oh, man. well, tell me about your week. You were in Jackson, weren't you? You were in Southern Michigan.
1: I was in the heart of... Of the ice storm, actually a couple of days after the ice storm, and so I drove down to Jackson, Michigan, because I had a session I was facilitating with one of their economic development groups. And I get to my hotel. It is about eleven at night, 10, 11 at night, and they gave up my room for a good reason though, because all the storm res- restoration folks needed rooms, and they had overbooked themselves. Did, did it
0: feel like a good reason to you though? Like the word reservation, kind of by definition, means they should have a room reserved for you.
1: You know, at first I felt like, uh, you know, just like the inconvenience to me. But then I thought about the inconvenience to all these people without power and the consumers energy folks who actually had more important work to do the next day than I did. I mean, my work is important in the grand scheme, but when it comes to those, you know, basic fundamental human needs, they needed the pillow that night. So I just turned around. I went up to Lansing, found a place. I love eating at Panera. (laughs) I found a place right by Panera. What is your
0: favorite dish at Panera?
1: I really like... You ready for this? I can't wait. Okay. It's a toasted sesame bagel with just egg and cheese. That's it. It is the simplest thing in this world, but for some reason, they nail it.
0: If it's done right, it It has to be something.
1: What chain do you go to? Do you find yourself... A
0: chain... I really... I don't do... A lot of chains. Oh, are you better than me? No, I just skip breakfast. (laughs) Like I, all this, you know. Which brings me to, you know, a lot of people they ask us about time management. But as you and I both know, it's really not about time management. It's about energy management. So I'm trying to be better about oatmeal, hotel oatmeal in the morning. But what's great about this is our guest day. I think is going to have a lot of insights into energy, into health, and also into just an entrepreneur's. Journey because our guest today is the founder of Equi, a company that makes plant-based high-protein bread and other products coming down the line. And her name is Monica Batia. And Angie, you know Monica.
1: I know Monica. I met her when she worked for another company that manufactured plant-based protein, sort of as an additive for a variety of different products. And she went from that experience to say, you know, no, I want to put my product into an actual product that people can use to better their lives. And she's an amazing thinker. She doesn't just think about like, I want to sell some bread. She thinks, how do I save the world? Wow. To, I know, right? I don't, I honestly don't think about that every single day. I try to be a good human and do my part, but she's that, that type of big thinker. Like, how do I save the world through habits that people are already doing? Maybe not you, because I know you're getting more into breakfast in the morning, but People eat toast. Wouldn't it be amazing if I could put animal protein or- Or plant-based protein. Yes, thank you. Plant-based protein, so non-animal-based protein into bread in the morning and give people the building blocks for success, which aren't carbs, which aren't sugar, which are actually protein. It's amazing.
0: I can't wait because with all this big picture thinking, I really want to know the details of like, how does she problem solve on a day-to-day basis? So I can't wait to- find that out and just kind of get into this conversation or
1: even start a company take this idea that you have as a dream and just put it into a process everyone you're going to love listening to monica's journey more importantly you're going to want to buy bread from this amazing company equi we're going to share with you how to do all monica welcome to bet on you radio Thank
2: you for having me and Ben. Really nice to meet you.
0: Oh, nice to meet you, too, Monica. If you heard anything good about me, I'm sure it was money well spent. Uh, (laughs) Monica, so Equi, this incredible company that makes plant based high protein bread using incredible science, it's also good for the planet. So I see two big things here. I see health and nutrition and I see sustainability making the world a better place. Uh, Which did you which were you passionate about first? Have you always been a scientist or known that?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I studied science, so I guess that makes me a scientist. I actually am more of an engineer, uh, just technically speaking. But coming back to equi, so what really drove equi was how I felt about, you know, nutrition as a person. And uh, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a mom, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of fitness, I would say, enthusiast, not, not anywhere near Angie's level, so uh, I just want to <laughs> say that. But, you know, we all we all want to live healthy. So equi at a very, very high level, it's about creating a lifestyle um, uh, innovation. And and we think that most of the world is trying to live healthy and happy. So how can we combine the two? Um, Our idea is that a lot of fitness or health is driven through our food. Um, We are bringing in innovation where simple foods that we love eating, that are comfort foods, high in protein, low in carbs, so we can still eat them and enjoy.
0: And not feel guilty at all. <laughs> not
2: feel guilty at all. So like some people say, hey, just go and say, have your cake and eat it too. And so it's kind of that idea. How can we make simple foods like staple foods, high in protein, high in nutrition, balanced nutrition, such that the nutrition is delivered to everyone it's good for the planet um and it doesn't take a lot of work to achieve it three times a day so that's kind of the core you know idea that drove me to create equi and here we are
1: here we are. i mean again where you are right now the journey is so impressive you grew up in india and was health and fitness was that a priority for you and your youth, or did you find that along your life's journey? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's an answer. All right. Yeah,
2: we, we you know we grew up uh, eating very clean food. I would say because uh, I I mean I'll be honest with you, we didn't have a lot of restaurant culture back when we were growing up. Uh, it was always about home cooked food, so by default, it was clean food. However, there was no such emphasis on protein or anything like that. It was all about, you know, we we eat culturally and this is how we eat. And so it's always taste driven. And I grew up, I came here um, and I started thinking a lot about, you know, what other people were doing in terms of keeping up with their diet. And this sort of grew with me as I aged, if I may say that, uh, you know, honestly. Um, and I had this like desire for the last few years to really, you know, pay attention to, um, what my body is responding well to, you know, muscle buildings, things like that. At the same time, I, I mean, if I may share with you, there's a little bit larger picture too. So I, you know, looked at how people eat here and then how people eat in India. And it's, it's like, um. A good canvas, right? Because you have two contrasts. India is largely a vegetarian country. And um, when you think about what's happening in our industry right now, there's a lot of focus on plant-based food because consumer wants more plant-based foods, right? So uh, when I compared that to how people eat in India, it doesn't really you know, solve some of the problem. Indians have a lot of lifestyle diseases as well. And I started looking into it, and I think the culprit to me seemed like a lot of carbs and very little protein. So I felt like even if uh, we moved as a, um, uh, you know, generation towards plant-based food, it's not gonna be a cure all. We still have to resolve this gap in protein. I know a lot of startups are doing the same, but uh, is it at a point where this is a lifestyle, right? So that's, that's the question that really gripped me um, I studied a lot of, you know, supply chains and scale and demand and et cetera, et cetera within that, that kind of um, question framework and came to this idea that perhaps the easiest way would be to introduce protein through staples because then it becomes truly uh, democratic, meaning like everybody can access it, right? It doesn't matter whether I eat meat or not. Etc. It doesn't matter culturally how I eat, um, and then you know the the other thing was staples were fighting and are fighting their own battle. They are perceived as um, a carb bomb. So I felt like the way that we were starting to think about the science behind it, which is take fermentation, convert some of the carbs of staple foods into good quality protein, could actually solve two problems. And um, it grew on me, It, uh, I, I talked to my co founder for months and months and months about about the idea. And both of us really felt this was a problem worth solving. So so that's the point we we started. You
0: know, Monica, as I'm listening to you, I hear this incredible journey. And it seems like you are constantly finding and solving problems. And that is so so great. What's, you know, to our listening audience, you know, what advice do you have when they're encountering problems? um in their everyday life whether that's you know at work whether that's they're trying to invent something and innovate what advice would you have for them
2: just from my personal journey i think the advice i would have is never ignore um a problem that is around convenience or comfort right Uh, because i think there is born the most impactful technologies that we might encounter ever um i've you know, taken like a keen interest in how things came about. I feel like cell phones are the biggest revolution that have happened to Mm -hmm. us in the last, you know, uh, I mean, 50 years, if you will. I I don't know. But for me, like that's one of the biggest impact uh, driving change that the society has made. And so what's the best thing about cell phones? It's not like people were missing phones in their life like everybody had a landline phone right and but it's the convenience that they offered and the reason they went from generation 1 to generation 14 and now I, I and I're like you know now in i don't know 70 80 90% uh, households is because they pack so much the the um uh, impact density is this is a word I w- I want to leave with you because that's something I've been thinking about
0: impact density Oh that's, that's incredible great yeah. Word. Tell, yeah tell great me word. tell me a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah so you know i think that within that palm of a cell phone the impact density is enormous i can go anywhere in the world i can shop for anything in the world i can track my kids with that device i can see who's knocking at my door so within you know within that small area the amount of value that's that's getting packed is enormous right that's why i think that cell phones are inseparable from us right now and so that's the um, message I wanted to give to anybody who's thinking about innovation disruption new things you know entrepreneurship is think about you know where are the pain points and then can pain points be merged to create that kind of impact density
0: that is incredible so friends do not underestimate the value of innovation around convenience and always consider impact density of innovation. How much of an impact is what you're innovating and the problem you're solving going to have on the people that benefit from it?
1: I would be curious from you, what do you think are some skills that lend to being aware of the problems to solve? I can immediately think of one being curiosity, being, you know, having a curious mindset all the time, but I'd love to hear from you. What skills do you think lend to that problem solving mindset?
2: I would definitely say curiosity is the number one. Like I would actually, uh, maybe say that curiosity and imagination. Like you know, imagining how, um, uh, like you know, uh, the problem that I'm facing. What could the cure for that be? What would what would what it what would it look like to have solved that problem? So so for me, you know, imagining the benefit of solving that problem really um, motivated me to look for the cure. Um, so, for example, before I started Equi, I like I said, you know, I was trying to try more protein in my diet and it was really hard since I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat. Um, it was, um, uh, uh, you know, it was a lot of work, a lot of hard work. So I imagine like, OK, if. If the problem got solved, what would it look like for me? Where could I go with it? So, you know, for example, I imagine myself with muscle because I don't have muscle, you know, like. (laughs) So, so, uh, yeah, I would like that, right? So, so check. So I kind of like to think, First of all, what would the end result uh, uh, give to me? So the imagination was really helpful, and then so I would try to like break it down from here, one step, one step before. Uh, what would it, what would it mean to get that kind of comfort? Like, or where would that comfort um, um, uh, really like have a lot of meaning? So for me, you know, if I don't have to do a lot of elaborate work to get my protein, that would be beneficial. So then try to think about um what are the ways in so so first is imagination imagining the ways that the comfort can be delivered and then being curious about what are the options currently available so so in some ways right curiosity and imagination are going hand in hand and so on one hand we are solving for um a solution. And on the other hand, we are doing our market research as well as to what's available. So I did a lot of, you know, uh, work in terms of going to the grocery store like Costco. So do you know that Costco can store up to 100,000 different items? And so I would go aisle by aisle to look at it. And I was really surprised to find that there aren't many, maybe in single digits or double digits, possibly if, if even items, food items I'm talking about that are what we call balance in nutrition, right? Like pretty much every single one of them is either high in sugar high in carbs or high in protein or high in fats. And so there is not that concept of balanced nutrition. So I think curiosity and imagination can really lead to a framework within which, you know, you gotta like um, try to find your solution. And then it's, I would say then after there is a more uh, methodical approach that is very helpful. Uh, After that, I said, okay, if I wanna create a solution here, then what's the roadmap? So I think that road mapping was really helpful for me. So I would say that's the third one. And the fourth one is risk taking. Um, There is, risk is not, you know, sometimes risk is perceived as this larger than life thing. Okay, I'm taking the risk, meaning I gotta leave everything, and do this and so of course that is that is a case but even before that i would say there are a lot of smaller risks so i took a lot of smaller risks first for example i said um i set myself up with some deadlines okay if i want to create equi can i come up with a solution that scientifically would be um you know uh conceivable or practical so that was my first test so I did a lot of you know research to that the second one was uh, drafting a PowerPoint and show that to people and I knew that when you do such an activity it is it is a little bit of risk right one because you could be setting yourself up for ridicule or
0: or is that something you ever encountered did you ever encounter ridicule or or anything you know, kind of negative that had to make you demonstrate your own resiliency.
2: You know, I was really fortunate to have most people around me really support me. So I, I would say, not until I started pitching this to investors. Uh, when I when I started pitching, it wasn't more of a ridicule. It was more of uh, when you make meat out of this, let me know. So you know, and that was also a little <laughs> bit of <laughs> uh,
0: uh,
2: lesson. Yeah, how did, so
0: when you hear get this, receive this feedback, let me know when you're going to make meat out of this. How does that? that impact you? And how do you kind of pivot with that?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of what I call a test of one's um, confidence around the idea. And it could be a fork in the road because, you know, there are only two scenarios here. Either uh, my idea is good and I feel convinced and, you know, a conviction around it to pursue it, regardless of criticism or the feedback I'm getting is, is a good feedback and I must evaluate it then decide whether it is. So, you know, it could be a fork in the road as well, right? It could be such a compelling idea that you may want to pivot from that. So I, I, I would say I took every criticism very um, um, objectively in the beginning because I wanted to really know what people would say about my idea. Uh, and I felt like that was the best way to set myself up for success. So when I heard, uh, hey, tell me when you make meat, I actually did a lot of study and I felt like, no, the way to go, um that would that would be you know true to me but true also to a successful venture path would be to stick with staples
0: it sounds like whenever you're receiving feedback there's a line that you have to walk between i believe in myself and i know what i'm doing and this is the path i'm going on but also the other side of that is do i consider this feedback do i let this impact me and possibly change course and balancing that is really fascinating because what it sounds like you're saying is in the beginning Be open to all feedback, but as you get used to that feedback and progress, find your own voice, find your own confidence, because you know what the feedback generally is going to be. Would you say that's that's kind of correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. So this is, you know, a little bit of um, creating that healthy habit around receiving feedback and it doesn't. Um. And I, you know, I sometimes I feel like maybe that is one of the key difference between being an experienced founder versus a new founder. Um, we are all very sensitive to the idea. It's our baby, right? So, but people are giving us feedback. Why don't we take a second and incorporate that um, as, a, as a point? And so, so that's at least that is what I did. And I found it immensely helpful. I do the same right now with when I, especially when I speak to investors, since they've been out and about listening to world ideas and they may ask me very sharp questions within that short span of time. So I always keep a fact of what, what investors ask me and that helps me you know, always stay strong. I
1: love that thought too, of having that healthy habit of receiving feedback. I imagine too, receiving it in a way that you're not defensive, but you're open to the point that you'll consider it.
0: But you said something earlier that really fascinated me. That until you started working with investors, you really didn't get a lot of negative feedback. You were people were very supportive of you. Uh, I can tell by talking to you, you're a very cool and awesome person. But what other like attributes of your personality, of your communication style, would you attribute to that likability, that support that people were giving you before you even started talking to investors?
2: That's a great question. Uh, I, I mean, I you know I always felt with uh, the journey with Equi was. A lot of maybe the goodwill I created over fifteen years of my professional career was coming back to help me. Whether it was people I wanted um, advice on for technical stuff or professional or you know um, entrepreneurial stuff, so I would say more than the style of communication, maybe it was the goodwill that I had established, and maybe that was more to do with how I interacted with them. You know uh, how they thought of me as a person. Um, Personally, I feel like communication style is is, is an ever evolving thing. So I'm pretty sure that I wasn't at the highest level, you know, at all in the early days. But I still got a lot of um, help, support, pat on the back from people I've kn- known for even 20, 20 years.
0: Has anyone ever given you just like a real like piece of tough love, like some hard advice that you didn't want to hear? But man, are you glad you heard it?
2: Oh oh yeah and 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 honestly Ben I actually asked for it so I the person I asked for it was my uh like is the person who's my current co-founder when I opened the dialogue with him I said look everywhere I go people are just going to say hey you know this is so great that you are starting this and you are great and this that but I don't want any of that from you what I want is to is for you to evaluate the idea because he is an expert in, you know, grains and plant-based proteins. And I said, I want you to work with me and evaluate the idea, sit on it, let me know. And if you feel like this is a good idea, uh, maybe we can have more conversations. Um, from that point on, uh, once he kind of gave the idea his own thought as well, he would text me every time he had, you know, an hour, or two hours here, or there in the day, and we grew the idea with this mutual conversation, ultimately leading uh, for him to join the company. But uh, but, but, yeah, that that is my journey in all honesty.
1: The tough love. I would love to hear from you too, because as you think about it, you're innovating yeah. in the lab. You're putting a product out into this world that could change the world. And by the way, folks, you can buy the bread online. We'll give you all that information at the end of the show. How do you balance all the hundreds of millions of things you must do as a founder to get your product out into this world? How do you yeah, prioritize? How do you manage your time? How do you manage your energy to be able to get to the place where you are today and where you want to go?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that is also a very important question. Um, you know, I, I first of all, I take peace in the fact that things are going to be imperfect. I am very comfortable with chaos. So so I feel like that's one of my positive attributes as far as being a founder is concerned. And with that said, um, I think, although Angie, I have to admit, I'm not a marathon runner like yourself. (laughs) I, I, I think of this journey as a marathon. And I imagine that when people are running marathon, the pace is not the same throughout. People pace themselves they take maybe you know slower slower phases and then they pick it, pick it up maybe in the beginning and then in the end or something like that and so i actually uh, make sure to really bring all my focus when i'm doing something so that i'm maximizing again like impact density right so whatever time i have in the day i try to like really bring a very sharp focus to it um, and then there are honestly hard problems, problems that nobody knows a solution to, and we must kind of come up with that solution. And I know that those are problems that um, are best solved when we sit on them. So what I do is I I have a I have somewhere in the back of my mind, a box, so I deposit those problems in the back of my mind and I, I think about them, and then the day and time comes that I'm ready to act on them. So, so those are kind of a couple of my, um, tips if you will like how I manage but I would say again um, on a day-to-day basis like it's our health that really drives our energy so I am very very careful now to make sure that I eat well I eat good food that energizes me so you know that that's where protein (laughs) comes um, comes in very handy I'm I'm very particular now about my sleep as well I have been through Phases of my life where I didn't sleep well and it did impact me negatively. So, those are things on the personal side that I like to do. And then finally, I would say, although there is not enough of it to go around right now, I do also uh, want to make sure I have some time for my family. So, those, you know, those, that's how I balance.
1: Oh, yeah. Those, those people that you live with. It's so funny, Betty. She's talking about the black box. I'd love to hear from you. I am thinking about the black box that I stuff things in. And unless I write down what is in those black boxes, I need a backup for my black boxes.
0: I I always refer to mine as a compost heap. That's what it feels like more often than not, is just a heap of everything that hopefully will be fruitful one day. But in the meantime, it'll probably smell.
1: Oh, (laughs) that's awesome though, Marika, just the way to think about it. And it's amazing how integrated too, that you're thinking about health, nutrition, sleep and energy, that this is really not just about what I'm eating. It's about a lifestyle how i'm living my life that's amazing oh it's
0: great and what it's really cool monica is the idea of impact density and how it can be applied to so many things and during the break we were talking about how it can apply to communication because the most effective communicators are usually the one that can say the get the most information across with the least amount of effort uh, okay. but you talked about impact density in terms of how you focus like you like to yeah. set aside time during the day really focus on the problems and the process and things you're trying to solve how do you eliminate distraction during those times when you're really trying to focus because i know i personally have a lot of things happening in my life that can be a distraction
2: it's definitely a muscle (laughs) i am i'm exercising (laughs) Um, and then the reason is not that i'm distracted to uh you know go check out my check my facebook or something like that the sometimes there are multiple issues of a lot large importance that are happening. And um, again, I keep this principle at the forefront that it's not going to be perfect. As long as you know, when I'm focusing, I'm not distracted enough to kind of come back um, to it less than 100%. And if there's something urgent, I would I would hash it. Otherwise, I would slot for For example, you know, I'm working on something today and then there's a tax issue. And so I know that I need to get to it, but I know that I will be able to get to it in an hour. So, so I just, you know, I have this constant slotting (laughs) going on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Angie, are Where do we even go from here? This is incredible. (laughs) Well,
1: I love that you were talking, Monica, about imperfection, because I think that is so true. And I have to wonder, though, because in the lab, I imagine there's many things that you want to perfect. Again, I say this as I know what it's like to be in a lab. I have no idea because I am not a scientist. But how do you determine when something is good enough? Do you have some sort of metric, or do you have some sort of guidance when you know that it's good enough? I'm just going to walk away from it.
2: Yeah, I think setting up the good enoughs is maybe the key role of a founder in an innovation because there is no limit to right achieving good. And and when we're working on next frontier, who knows what's what 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 lies even you know beyond the version we created. Um, but so how I think about it is. Um, what is it that would resonate with most people or a lot of people and could be attention grabbing. So uh, I'd give you an example. So our first product is bread and how much protein should we pack in a slice? So we came up with this number 10. 10 gram and uh, I would say that was like my calling as like I would say 10 gram of protein to my team and not 9 and not 11 so we made that call and then the team worked on it relentlessly to get it to as perfect a taste and texture as as we could and so I think that's that's where our success is coming from is that we have perfected in some ways that 10 gram protein sliced bread but calling that out is all about hunch experience, knowledge. It could come from many ways, but I feel like all of these are equal parts or different part contributors to to that.
0: You said that uh, the bread is your first product. Do we get a sneak preview as to what the second product might be?
2: It might be pasta. That's a
0: good idea. (laughs) That that might be awesome.
1: (laughs) awesome. (laughs) I can only imagine we're talking about the process to get your business to this stage. I have to imagine, though, what does it feel like to see your product in the hands of people and essentially right as they put peanut butter, or butter, whatever they want to t- avocado toast, or so much you can do with bread. But can you describe the emotions when you see your product being sent out into the world and people enjoying it? Oh,
2: it's it's so gratifying. It, it's like I created a baby and then people are just like adoring that baby. <laughs> I was going to say That's eating. A- eating <laughs> that
0: yeah, baby. you don't want to eat the baby. That's a different <laughs> Adore <podcast>. the baby. <laughs>
2: I don't even eat my baby.
1: Don't know the other ones. Okay. but <laughs> I love that. No, and I see if you go follow you on Pinterest or not Pinterest on Instagram, too, just to see all the happy, creative ways that people are enjoying. I mean, it just must be an exciting time for you.
2: Yeah, one of the best comments I heard is, hey, uh, butter is back. You know, that's that's what someone told me because they love eating butter and jam on bread and mm-hmm. <laughs> And we're away from it for so long because of all the, you know, empty calorie stuff there. So butter is back. And that's like, wow, that that just made my day.
0: <laughs> Monica, it's so great. Like you're so positive And it seems like every question we throw at you, you have a great answer for and you're being successful. I got to ask, like, what are you struggling with right now? Is there anything you're struggling with and trying to overcome and and, and how are you working your way through it?
2: I mean, struggle is a heavy word, so I kind of take it lightly with, with like I like to stay positive. I, I I think struggle is part of part of the journey, right? Like if we didn't struggle, we wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't improve. But uh, one of the big things for a startup is to finding that right match of energy and contribution from the team. So team is the biggest um, spice in this in this medley, we, we need to constantly find people who are as energized and motivated and are able to contribute without us having to teach them. That's, that's the startup secret sauce. Um, and so there is always a little bit of, I would say gap in terms of how fast we are going and how many people we have to support. So the struggle is then again, managing our time in terms of implementing multiple things. But hey, like that's the start of life. So
0: I love that mindset that it's just accepted that. Yeah. Struggle is a part of it and that's okay. I think was it, uh, I forget who said it, but he said that, uh, most people's biggest problem is they think they shouldn't have any, and it seems like that's not something you struggle with at all.
2: No, accepting struggle. Like, I, said, like I knew, I knew that that's how sometimes overwhelming, honestly, like I, you know, I'm tired or I, I want my time more to be spent with the family and but I can peel away or it's vice versa. Um, but again, I think those are what really makes a startup.
1: It is the people. Well, you've had a variety of different career experiences, too, to make you realize the importance of culture. Can you share some of the things you've observed um, in startup environments about what makes culture work and what makes culture not work and how that's driving you too from a team building perspective?
2: Yeah. Angie, you know, we've talked about this a few times, right? But I mean, the biggest uh, eye opening learning for me was culture is not the things that are going on the coffee mug. Those are values and values are, meaningless unless we implement them. And that's culture. Culture is implementation. Culture is what we do on a daily basis, you know, in general. So that's what I I am very clear with my own company is doesn't matter what our values are. If you guys don't follow them in your actions, then then that's not going to turn into culture. And so we are all here for the culture. Um, and you know, to your to your point, Angie, getting that definition correct has been the biggest game changer because that helps us identify then who is not um, the right fit culturally or who is the right fit culturally. Now, when we talk about people who are the right fit culturally. I I would say then, you know, it really actually, um, I think sets everybody with the um, proper perspective that that doesn't mean that those people won't need coaching, that they won't need mentoring. That's not what it is, but culturally they're acting in the same uh, spirit of the company. And so they are keepers. Uh, I think that that realization has made all the difference to me and I can speak that for my co-founders as well.
0: Angie and I will do trainings for like manager groups and whatnot. And one of the things we've said in the past is it's easier to hire for attitude and then train for skills. It sounds like that's what you're so good at when you're hiring people making sure they fit into your culture. What are some specifics around a person's attitude that make you think this is a good fit for equi?
2: You know, we look for signs where the person is able to, uh, let's say during the interview, right, is able to vocalize how they imagine the problem, how they think, what are some of the things that they can bring. So when we are hiring, we're not hiring a do it all right, like we're not going to hire a person for doing marketing or doing, you know, science. No, that's never going to happen. But within that framework that they are capable of, and they view their skill sets, they should be able to very effectively communicate to us, hey, this is how I see your um, value prop, your mission, and this is what I think we can. I can bring to to this, and I think that that's where it really starts um, aligning the the two sides together. That this person's already in the solution mode. This person's already perceptive enough to say this is what he's going to bring or she's going to bring. Um, uh, for us, like those are the biggest, uh, you know, uh, attractions. If I may say it that way, I hope everyone's
0: listening. That is interview impact density at its best.
1: We are at the time of our podcast where we get to ask you our five favorite questions, Monica. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this question. Can you share with us a book that was really important and influential to you?
2: Yes, that book is called The Queen Bee. It's about the founder of Birds Bees, the brand you may have you know, heard of, used, chapstick, whatnot. It's, it's a must read for anybody who is interested in entrepreneurship It's such a different story than what, for example, Steve Jobs story was or Bill Gates story was must read. So Queen Bee.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, here's the question. I, I'm anticipating this will be a short answer uh, from you. But uh, when you get in the funk, how do you snap yourself out of it? Because we all get in those kind of like lulls of our life where we just need to snap out of the funk. And how do you do that?
1: I watch Jeopardy.
0: You watch Jeopardy.
1: Oh, we love Jeopardy. I didn't know that. That's exciting. Do you watch it with yourself or your family? Because, you know, when you watch Jeopardy, you got to take somebody down. Do you do it with the family? With my husband?
0: Yes. (laughs) Do you snack when you watch TV? If so, what do you eat while you're watching Jeopardy? This is a bonus question.
2: I usually save it for dinner. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give to your younger self?
2: so you know there's a method and then there is madness right like we need both parts to be successful entrepreneurs my younger self was all about madness much less about method um i would like to bring more method to my younger self i could have i feel like i could have done this sooner in my life
1: (laughs) when you say younger self what era of your life are you referring to you're in your 20s when you're getting your doctorate yeah
2: yeah just like right after that you know that time i could have been so productive with all these ideas, but I just didn't have or put myself up to learning the method. I just I would just dream, but not really, you know, invest myself in learning how to do, how to take an entrepreneur's journey. I
0: think so. So when you're thinking about that entrepreneur's journey, and I'm not thinking talking about just the business, I'm talking about work-life balance, uh, all of it. What's a philosophy that you live by?
2: Um, just just really. F- do something that you know will sit right by you. And then every day will will um, lead you slowly to the mission.
0: Now, when you say s- sit right by you, does that mean make you happy? Does that mean uh, lean itself to your integrity? How would you, can you tell me a little bit more about sits right by you?
2: Yeah, um, may not make you happy since there's just so much chaos, right? But it may definitely, uh, every time you think about the mission, it should make you more and more convinced to do it, not less, if. That, that, yeah. Like every day, I am more invigorated that, yes, I'm solving a need that people are reciprocating to. So it, you, know, it's reinforcing my mission, whether I'm happy or not.
1: <laughs> I love that. and bet on you. we write about the idea that life is going to be hard, no matter what path you go down, but as long as you enjoy the struggle and the hustle and the challenge, it's going to be worth it. And I would love for you to answer this last question, because you certainly have acquired a lot of this on life's journey. Can you share with us all just a piece of wisdom that you picked up that you'd like to impart on our audience?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the wisdom is to see the larger, the larger picture, like Take a picture and create a bigger picture out of it. Because when we go bigger, we really, you know, do a couple of things. We really, you know, first see the impact in its fullest form, and then secondly, we are also bringing together a lot of uh, the environment into consideration. Meaning, like our family, our friends, our society, or you know, it can go as wide as as we can. So both the impact come into that framework, and then the contributions come into that framework. So I like to think of big picture mostly, and that's, that is something I learned from one of my mentors is always think bigger than what you just thought of, and that's how you go to the next step.
0: That's great. Can I, can I ask you a bonus question, Monica? Yes. Uh, so if we go on the other end of that, so we always think big picture, let's go really, really specific. What is like a simple life hack or strategy you might have learned recently that you were just like, oh, this is a game changer. I can't believe I didn't know about this sooner.
2: Angie taught me this, so I'll share with you. It's like writing every end of every day. Write down what I thought were some of my accomplishments and what are some of the accomplishments I want to have for tomorrow.
0: That's awesome.
1: Reflection you and never, action. You never
0: gave me that advice. Well, <laughs> you're not Monica. I, I you're know, not going I, I to change the world. I need to be more positive. Maybe if you try to <laughs> I don't have enough world. impact density in our everyday interactions. <laughs> <laughs> Monica. Equi, how do our listeners find out about you, find out about your amazing bread and possible future pasta? Where do they go?
2: Yes. So go to equi.com and you can shop our, uh, SKUs of bread. One is the classic weed. The other is multi-grain. Both come with 10 gram of protein. They're available in different, you know, packs, variety packs, for example, two pack, four pack, six pack. Be sure to use the discount code, welcome 10 to get the 10% discount and then subscribe to our newsletter so we can keep you updated on the latest and greatest that's gonna
1: come from eQui.
0: Wonderful, and can you spell eQui for us?
1: E-Q-U-I-I.
0: Excellent, eQui, thank you so much.
1: Monica, thank you for the great conversation. It's always inspiring to hear you talk about your vision, the impact that you wanna make and just to share some valuable guidance with us all. Have a great rest of your day, Monica.
2: Thank you, Angie, thank you,
1: Ben. Thank you. Thank you. And that was such an amazing interview, and when Monica was talking about the value of imagination, it reminded me of something you say about magicians starting with impossible. And I would tell you that, but I don't repeat it because I'm going to butcher it. So oh, you go, they- <laughs> you
2: go, you tell me what no, you say.
0: No, I, something I say is, you know, a lot of people, when they are working to achieve a goal or solve a problem, a lot of people work on it until they get to the point that they think this is impossible, and then they quit. But magicians, on the other hand, they try to think of the most impossible thing they can imagine, something that, you know, everyone else says can't be done, something that is borderline unimaginable. And when they have that in their mind, that's when they begin to work. And it really is what incredible what happens when we take this mindset and start applying it to other areas of our life. And it really speaks to the power of imagination. So just like you, when Monica was talking about imagination, I was getting giddy because I was like, yes, I understand. I empathize. Do it. Preach it. It was great. <laughs> it
1: was. I was wondering too, what do you do to, I would say, cultivate an imagination? Do you have like rituals? Do you have habits to make you a creative thinker, a more imaginative Thinker?
0: Well, it goes right back to what Monica was saying about how focus and eliminating distractions, like intense focus, it's a muscle that you just work on it. And the more you work on it, the stronger it gets. So, for imagination, for me, I always think that it's important to have time to let your brain work. You know, the reason we have a lot of our great ideas when we're on a walk or taking a shower is because. Part of our brains on autopilot, which kind of frees, and there's science on all this, but long story short, it frees the box in our back of our head to let some ideas out. And so I try to make sure I schedule time to take walks. I try to find interesting things outside of my career, things I like, you know, I love to watch stand-up comedy. I'm really into cooking. Uh, you know, I, I love playing with my dog. And so I think all of those things kind of lend themselves to the compost heap in the back of my brain let your imagination kind of stretch. And I also, it's my personal belief, I don't believe in creativity. I believe in combinativity. I think all of creativity is essentially combining two or more things that we've encountered in our lives. And so that kind of takes some of the pressure off being creative for me. I'm like, all right, I just got to find things to combine.
1: I think that's really important because I hear a lot of people saying, I'm not creative. And I think in our minds we have what a creative looks like. It's the person down the hall with the red hair and the nose piercing and the tattoo sleeves on their arms that they're the creative. But the reality is we all have the potential to be creative. I mean, Monica's an engineer.
0: She's And she's one of the most, just talking to her, especially in between the breaks, she's obviously one of the most creative people I've ever met.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think oftentimes we forget that to nurture our creativity, we have to preserve our most important asset in this world, and that's our minds. And I don't think enough people take care of their minds in that way by Going for walks or taking their minds off the task at hand. Or even I spend a lot of time breathing and meditation and yoga. Running is a meditative practice as well. And I don't like to read traditional business self help books. The type of material that I write, I don't like to necessarily consume it. I love fiction. Mm-hmm. I love reading, you know, really great sci fi and just trying to find interests outside of my comfort zone.
0: Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Another thing that Monica said that I really, really enjoyed and really am like contemplating and meditating on is she finds peace in the chaos. And I think it's, a lot of us can get overwhelmed with, you know, just the, you know, being reactive throughout the day. Oh, I got this email. Oh, there's this fire to put out. Oh, this. But the fact that she can find peace in that and understands that struggle is a part of it. And it just, even just talking to her, she seemed so calm as she said it. And I was like, oh my goodness gracious. I need to, Write this down somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And adopt it as a practice. I always think, too, like in the midst of chaos, what else can be found there? There's people who find drama in the chaos. There's people who find that they contribute to more chaos in the chaos, but to find your feet solid on the ground in the midst of it. Because think about it. Like, she's calm, cool, collected, and... She's um, in a startup environment, and she's building a team, and she's putting a product out into this world. And so. she has a
0: family that she's spending time with, watching Jeopardy, and you know, having dinner. And I'm, I wish I could just dig into like some of her recipe book because I'm sure she has amazing things, not just with her bread, but in general. The, Absolutely,
1: uh, and I hope everybody who's listened today to this Bet on You radio that you can get some courage and confidence in pursuing the dreams that are on your mind. You heard her talk too about just taking a dream. And putting a method out there to make it into reality she is doing that and so why not you why not you ben why not me why can't we do it we
0: can we We absolutely can can. we can just keep listening to this podcast and keep getting more great advice so that we can bet on ourselves and win also we can go to equi.com and buy amazing high protein plant-based bread again that's equi.com eq icom Uh, And don't forget, all of our listeners will get a discount. Use the uh, discount code WELCOME1010 and you will get 10% off your order at equi.com. And
1: it is delicious. You won't regret it and you'll help save the planet. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you soon.
0: Take care everyone.